lovely to see you all today at church. Um, if you don't know me, I'm Mel. Um, <clears throat> I usually go between Bensville and Tumby, so um, please say hello to me if I don't know you. Um, I apologize if I don't. Um, I'm just going to flick this on so I remember. Thank you. Yesterday was great, hey? It was so lovely to see when I walked in. I, um, I got really emotional because I think come, um, what was it, February meeting? Um, our God did an incredible miracle yesterday to see that all happen. So thank you to all of you guys who came and were a part of it. Um, we are just so, so thankful for all that happened. Um, would you mind this morning, if just before we start, um, the last couple of months at work, I've had this really beautiful privilege to be able to work alongside some of um, our Indian brothers and sisters. And I said to some of the doctors this week that at church this week that we would lift them and their nation in prayer. It has been a significant time for the nation of India and um, we, um, we can see what we can see on TV, but hearing some of the stories that they've been sharing with us at work, I just really felt that if we could come together um, as a community of Coast Community just to lift them before our God, um, that that would be really special for them. So would you pray with me as we do that now? Father God, I lift before you the people of India, and I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came for them just as much as you came for us. And I ask, Lord God, that you would have mercy and compassion upon them as a nation. Lord Jesus, we pray for the stop and the spread of COVID-19 across their people, Lord Jesus. We pray, Lord God, that you would enable supplies and medication and all that is needed, Lord Jesus, to be there for those people, Lord God. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would have compassion upon them. And I pray, Lord God, that as their brothers and sisters, that we would continue to lift them in prayer. In your name, Jesus, amen. If you are praying this week, I'd just love for you to encourage you to continue to do that. Um, I already said on behalf of our church that we would be doing that, so it would be fantastic if you would help me keep our word that we shared this morning. <laughs> So I get the great privilege this morning to continue to speak to us around um, what we've been talking around of being the church. And so we're going to continue today across Ephesians 2. Um, what I'm going to do this morning, I hope that it's okay with you guys. There's no points to the sermon. There's no things um, around that I wanted kind of you to take away from it other than I hope that this morning that scripture would just speak to you individually around where you're at and what God is going to do in you and through you this morning. We are going to read a little bit of scripture together, so I hope that's okay too. Um, some of it will be on the screen and some of it you may want to follow along in your Bible or on your uh, phone or whatever you have. But my hope is that today that you would just be able to see what God is revealing to you through his word. Um, uh, 
The other thing is, is that it's really important, I think, for us to remember, particularly as we're going through the book of Ephesians, to remember that it was for then, them, and us now. And so we've, we're in that tension all of the time around what it was like for the people and the, um, the church of Ephesians and what it is for us now. And so hopefully this morning we can hold that tension together there as well. Um, and if I say something wrong or there's something that you don't agree with, just really encourage you to uh, email Andrew McGuinness at uh, Coast Community this morning. He would be very happy to hear from you, I'm sure. Um, don't worry, Jeff, I'm not going to throw you under the bus. <laughs> okay. So we're going to start off this morning in Ephesians 2 at in 16. I'm going to read it first from the message and then I'm going to go to the Amplified if that's okay with us this morning. So here we go. This is Ephesians 2, 16 to 22, which is, will be our kind of core scripture this morning. So, G, so Christ brought us... Hang on a sec. I've got to do this. Oh, legend, Maya. You're my favorite person. Okay, so Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace, and that was the end of hostility. Christ came and preached peace to you outsiders and peace to us insiders. He treated us as equals and so made us equals. And so through him, we both share the same spirit and have equal access to the Father. That's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You are no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home and he's using us all, irrespective of how we got here, in what he is building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation, and now he is using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds us all that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into a temple, which is God is quite at home. Okay. And now for the Amplified Version, it says this, and, and he designed to reconcile to God both Jew and Gentile united in a single body by means of his cross, thereby killing the mutual enmity and bringing the feud to an end. And he came and preached glad tidings of peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For it is through him that we are both, whether far off or near, now have an introduction or access by the one Holy Spirit to the Father so that we are able to approach him. Therefore, you are no longer outsiders, exiles, migrants and aliens excluded from the rights of citizens, but you now share... Um, <clears throat> citizenship with the saints, God's own people consecrated and set apart for himself. You belong to God's own household. You are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself, the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined, bound, welded together harmoniously, and it continues to rise, grow and increase into a holy temple in the Lord, a sanctuary 
dedicated, consecrated and sacred to the presence of the Lord. In him and in fellowship with one another, you yourselves also have been built up into this structure with the rest to form a fixed abode, a dwelling place of God in, by and through the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Now, these verses are so rich and full of the goodness of God for us in our own lives that I thought this morning that how we might navigate it together is by breaking 16 to 18 together and then 19 to 22. And so if we go back to 16 to 19, what is incredible about this passage of Scripture is is that it is a great declaration of what Jesus did for us. It says here again, we're just going to read it together again, if that's okay, Maya. Thank you. And he designed to reconcile to God both Jew and Gentile united in a single body by means of his cross, thereby killing the mutual enmity and bringing the feud to an end. And he came and preached the glad tidings of peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For it is through him that we are both, whether far off or near, now have an introduction or access by one Holy Spirit to the Father so that we are able to approach him. It is only through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that he has brought us together. That is the revelation of the gospel. There is no more hostility and no more exclusion for any person. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not one who really enjoys disruption, um, challenge, hostility within a relationship. It really makes me incredibly uncomfortable. And have you ever witnessed, uh, usually a couple, um, who are quite uh, angry at one another. I, I had friends who used to do this a lot in the car where they would get quite irritated with one another and it would be so uncomfortable you just kind of want to crawl under the seat and just wait for that hostility to pass. It would just bring out so much anxiety within me. And when I was thinking about the disruption and the hostility, to think about that one relationship and that fracture that sometimes happened, to then look at the fracture that my sin and our sin has caused us between Jesus and us, to think that that hostility was even greater than that uncomfortability that I felt was incredibly Um, powerful for me this week just to think about the fact that it is only through Jesus that that disruption to our relationship with him can be uh, changed. The beautiful thing about our God is that we are made aware of the revelation of who he is through what Jesus has done. And then we have this beautiful opportunity to respond to him, to step towards him. You know, my sin is incredibly dark and dirty and very unpleasant. It's the shadow that I continually battle against. But it's only through the revelation and the death and then therefore the resurrection of Jesus that my sin no longer stands in the way and that your sin no longer stands in the way. And the news just continues to get better and better within this passage of Scripture where this reconciliation is not only for the Jew, but for the Gentile, the insiders and the outsiders. And Jesus came to bring all into his church and into his family. 
no matter our background, our ethnicity, our gender, our family history, that is absolutely no match for the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. His death took care of us. We have all been offered an opportunity to be ushered into the place of where we can access him. And the most incredible moment where this happened for all people was the death on the cross. In Matthew, it talks about this. If that's okay, Maya, thank you. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the temple of the curtain was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks split. American author Max Licato shared this moment in history like this. It's as if the hands of heaven had been gripping the veil, waiting for this moment. Keep in mind the size of the curtain, 60 feet tall and 30 feet wide. One instant it was whole and the next it was ripped into from top to bottom. No delay, no hesitation. And what did the torn curtain mean? For Jews, it meant there is no more barrier between them and the Holy of Holies. No more priests to go between them and God. No more animal sacrifices to atone for their sins. And for us, the Gentiles, what the the torn curtain signified for us was that we are welcome to enter into God's presence any day, any time. God has removed the barrier that separates us from him the barrier of sin down. He has removed the curtain. At this particular moment in time, we had access to Jesus. His death made it possible for all people. I love how this passage of scripture preached reconciliation, the bringing of two opposing sides together. And in the message translation that I read at the start, the word reconciliation was paraphrased as peace, that we have peace with our creator God. The opposite of hostility in any situation is peace. And Jesus made a way for that peace to be what we have access to and can be engaged in. This peace that we that I talk about now is not an act is not a passive peace but an active one. It is one where Jesus stepped towards all of humanity so that those who are far away can step into relationship with him, that can return to Father God and to a restored relationship with him as our creator. By dying on the cross and his resurrection, he gave us permission to come to him. We can boldly come and approach his throne without fear or distress. That we have peace with him. The veil has been torn. Relationship has been restored. No matter who you are this morning, whether you're here at Tumby or at Bensville or at home, this is for you. You can be a part of the kingdom of God and he has paid the price for you. Now I could probably stop here this morning. And that would be enough for the rest of our lives to reflect upon what Jesus has done. And we probably will still won't be very far into that when he either takes us home or he returns. But the good news of this passage just keeps on getting better and better. 
In previous weeks, we've talked about how Paul had written this letter to the Ephesians because they were Gentile people. So this message that he took to them was so incredible and so revolutionary. At the time, there was such distress and and disruption to the relationship between Jews and Gentiles that this changed everything for all people. The fact that everyone was included in this good news was absolutely huge and that no one was seen as an outsider. Verse 19, as we step into that this morning together, says this, You are no longer outsiders, exiles, migrants and aliens, excluded from the rights of citizens, but you now share citizenship with the saints, God's own people, consecrated and set apart for him and you belong to God's own household you see the Gentiles or us now we're no longer foreigners strangers outsiders or wanderers they were too included into the kingdom of God and this truth is for us today as well Throughout this passage, Paul has used uh, metaphors and analogies to illuminate what this could mean. And so I think this is where that part of then, them, and us now kind of comes into the tension as we speak about this today. The message paraphrase says this, You are no longer wandering exiles. The kingdom of faith is now your home country. You are no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name of Christian as anyone. God is building his home. You see, this is really important for us to embed within our hearts this truth that we are no longer outsiders, that we are no longer the excluded by society, the exiles, the migrants, the aliens, the those who are not citizens. We all now can receive Jesus and this open invitation. Feeling excluded, removed, discarded, being unwanted, I really believe is something that is detrimental to our soul and our heart. That feeling of being left out. You know, a whole lot of people have written books now all on the FOMO feeling, the fear of missing out or being missing or missing out in some way. And isn't it so incredible to think that our creator God doesn't allow for us to feel and be that way, that we no longer have to fear of missing out, that we no longer have to worry about not being included, that that part of our heart and our soul that needs connection is right there for us to have with our creator God. And not only have we been invited and included, we also have a role to play. We also have a part to play in this wonderful kingdom of God, in this family of God that we have been um, brought into. We've spent a significant amount of time over the last uh, nine months speaking um, together as what it means to be the church. And that the church is not simply just a building or just something that we do on a Sunday, but each of us are a part of something greater than ourselves. And this is where a lot of what we've been talking about this passage of scripture kind of really covers that for us. You see, God is not, um, is not building a building, but he's building his people. And so the picture that Paul gives us in Ephesians is one of a building. So it's a bit tricky sometimes, even when I was thinking about it. You know, we've been talking lots and lots about it as a church. You know, we're not a building. 
we're the people of God, but then we come to the passage of Scripture and it says we are building and it's kind of like, oh, have we missed the point? But I promise we absolutely haven't. It's just around the then, them and the us now, okay? So let's read it together so we're all on the same page. <clears throat> you are being built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Thank you again, Maya. Um, with Christ Jesus as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined, bound and welded together, together harmoniously and together to rise, grow and increase into a holy temple in the Lord, a sanctuary dedicated, consecrated and sacred to the presence of the Lord. In him and in fellowship with one another, you yourselves are also being built up into this structure with the rest to form a fixed abode, a dwelling place of God in and by and through him, the Spirit. You see, Jesus is the cornerstone of our church. Um, now, for those of you who know me and now those of you who don't know me, I'm not a builder. Um, not good at that at all in any way whatsoever. If you look out the front with our beautiful brand new warning, when it was when we were speaking about it at Elders, I was like, oh, yeah, like we, can have, we can have that. We can not have that. I don't know. It doesn't look any different. And then now seeing it now, I think, oh, yeah, like most people in Elders who are very clever in that way were a hundred percent onto that. So luckily that decision wasn't made up to me, hey? But so I'm not a builder. I don't have a spiritual gifting in that way at all. I can talk to you about your mental health. Absolutely. That's where I'm my sweet spot, but building not at all. So I had to go a little bit deeper in this to really understand what it means. So please forgive me for those of you who are in that space and are very, very good at um, in construction and building. But what I found was, was the cornerstone is the very first stone to be laid within a building. And so all other stones are, are laying within reference to that stone. So that stone is where everything is built up around. So if, if I go back to the metaphor which Paul uses that says that Jesus is the cornerstone for all of us who are followers of him, that means that he is the first stone that was laid. And we, as the people of God, are all built in reference to him. It is only him who orientates us towards all of his purpose and pleasure. You see, Jesus being the cornerstone means that we have that reference point and that place to go and to know where we fit and what it means for us. And the beautiful thing about that is that that particular passage of Scripture goes back to the Messianic prophecy in Psalm 18 where it says in verse 22 that the stones that the builders rejected have now become the cornerstone. Isn't that incredible that throughout all of time that Jesus is, that, is, is our cornerstone and it's in him and through him that we are being built into him. We are the living stones being built around him. And as living stones and a part of that building, we are all included. We all have that role to play and to be a part of what he is building. And he moves forward again from now, once we have an understanding of where we are and where we sit in relationship to him, he moves towards the analogy of the temple and being built into his abode or his home. You see, just as the temple in Jerusalem was where G the Jews saw the presence of God as a residence, Jesus is our temple where we can reside in him and knowing that this gives us access to the Father through him. 
And our purpose within that is to point people towards him. Our theme for this year is that we are looking and seeking to find common ground with all men and doing everything that we can to save some. By building relationships with those around us who don't yet know Jesus and share our belief in him in a sensitive and compassionate way enables them to start the process to come towards our God. We need to be really intentional about how we do this, how we step towards others. Because what we need to understand is that each and every individual will have different ideas, perceptions and life experiences which will shape the way that they see our King. And it's part of our responsibility to step towards them and to show them the goodness of our God. Moving towards others in grace and compassion allows them to see that they have a role to play too that this story is for all people and all men, Jews or Gentiles, it does not matter. This is his plan, that all men would come to know and trust him. He wants all people to become a part of his family and he is building us all into his own and we are only held together in him and through him. This is the picture of the church, a glorious people, his bride, his beloved, one held only in and through Christ. Without him, we are nothing. He is our King, our Creator, our Lord, and to him be all of the praise. Just as I close this morning, I just wanted to bring to us a picture of the church through a poem that I found. And my prayer has been this week for each and every one of you, particularly around what these passages of Scripture means, is for you to reflect upon your role to play, what Jesus has asked of you to be a part of his church as his living stone. And sometimes I think it's really important for us to have a recognition of what it means to be a part of the bride, to be a part of this glorious people that he is one day returning for. You see, our God is building our church and he's building our church and the church through all men coming to know him. So let me read this to you. And this week I just will be praying and ask you to really look and seek what the Lord is saying to you around what it means for you to be a part of his beautiful kingdom. Hmm. So it's a poem called The Church and it's by a man by the name of Robert Ferguson. And this is what it says. She is the plan of God on earth, always in her Father's eye, cherished, mysterious, beautiful, and potent beyond measure. King empowered and life infused, she emerges triumphant, limitless with potential, a harbor for the hopeless and an answer for the ages. The church resplendent, a bride for his son. She is the body of Christ on earth, Born like her head admits tribulation under jealous skies. Cradled in her innocence and guarded for his purpose. She grows in wisdom and stature with victory on her lips and freedom in her hands. Hers is an unstoppable cause. She embraces the world with dignity, honor and compassion. Gives vision to the sightless and life to the dying. She is the family of God on earth. With her compass, the hungry find sustenance and the weary receive strength. 
She is a haven for the, for the recovering humanity, enthralled by grace. She invites the broken, the vulnerable, and the outcast to, me, to be immersed in love. She stands imperfect, but perfection resides within her. She is flawed, but washed with forgiveness. She has a treasury of faith and wealth of belonging. She is the house of heaven on earth, a representative, resolute to reconcile. The word within her accepts the receptive, but challenges the heartless. She is the ecclesia, called out to serve the world calling out to welcome in, blood-washed and armed with testimony. The cross on her lips liberates the chains and offends the unchanging. Like her master, she is pursued and persecuted, yet rises within, her, within strength in her heart and fire in her soul. She is the bride of Christ on earth, readying herself for the day when all eyes will be upon her prepared and presented before the Lord, the lamb for whom the world awaits, who comes like the rising sun. Majestic and magnificent beyond description. While she just dazzles with reflected glory, spotless, perfect and mature, she bows low to cast her crowns passionately and worship her king. Her temporal focus becomes her eternal gaze. She is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. My prayer for us as a group of Coast Community is that this is the people that we are to serve our great king. And I believe that in him and through him, that we are able to do this incredibly well. So let's pray together. Our wonderful Jesus, thank you for all that you are and all that you have done. And I ask this morning that as we learn to recognize that we have been included into your kingdom, Lord God, that we would be able to be the living stones that you have asked us to be that we would only be laid in reference to you as we seek to do your purpose and your pleasure. We love you so much, Jesus, and we recognize you as King of all. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that as we seek you, that others would turn towards you, that, Lord God, we would see oceans of people come to recognize you as their King and bow before you in humbleness, and receive your forgiveness so that all men should come to know you. In your name, Jesus, amen.